At Arizona State University, we've made online education better, smarter, and more personalized, so you can go further in your aspiring field. I decided to pursue medicine once I realized that ASU did have the online program for biological sciences. You're still required to learn the same curriculum. You're still being tested on the same content that anyone would be tested on in person. The comprehensiveness of the program prepared me so well for medical school. Explore over 300 programs at asuonline.asu.edu. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Our Olympic gold medalist Kelly Harrington is with us, along with Roddy Doyle, who has helped her to write her memoir, Kelly. Hello to both of you. Thank you very much for joining us here. Kelly, I remember when Kenneth Egan won his silver medal in 2008. He came in here with the medal in a box to show me. What have you done with your medal? Do you keep it somewhere safe or do you display it? Um, It's been more than a year now, so <laughs> I wouldn't bring it in. Um, <laughs> but it's it's at home. In, it's like you get a little bag thing. I have got a box, but I have it in, a, in the bag. Like it's a little small, like a, like a little small kind of bag. So I just keep it in that just in case anybody want to see it when they come over to the house so I don't have to keep taking I'd it in and out of the box. anyone coming over to the house must want to see it. Um, most people who are coming over have already seen it so, <laughs> <laughs> so it stays in that bag. Do you ever dust. take it out and have a look at it yourself though? Uh, no, I don't actually. Um, I've seen it enough now at this stage. I just I just leave it well enough alone because the ribbon on it like around it, you know, the that obviously holds it around your neck that gets a little gets like a bit frayed yeah it? yeah so I just want, don't want that to happen to that but I am going to eventually get it uh, put in a, a frame when I say eventually like it's like as if you think I was doing loads of stuff with it that I can't do that and read it right now but it's just when I get time to getting around to framing it I'm going to frame it and the, and the world and the European medal to trade them of course, you shouldn't forget those as well. But I suppose people do think of the Olympic medal. There is something in the Irish sort of sport and psyche which makes an Olympic medal just that rather special, isn't oh, it? It's not just in the Irish, it's in the whole world. Like it's, it's Olympic Games, you know, it's that's everything that sport is. Like it's all about the Olympics, isn't it? And yet I was fascinated by in reading the book you know, that when you win it afterwards, you came down off the high very quickly. In fact, you probably didn't maybe hit the high that you'd expected, did you? No, because I suppose, like, I wasn't one of those uh, young children who was chasing an Olympic dream. Um, I didn't have a mother or a father who was bringing me down to the boxing club or who, you know, like, every day saying, oh, this is what you're going to do, Kelly, or do you want to try this? Or anything. Like, I didn't have that. I was kind of a... A lone sailor, really, and it was my pathway was different. It wasn't I joined boxing for a different reason, not not to become an Olympic champion. Tell us about the reasons why you took up boxing. Um, it feels mad because I, I'm always saying them like <laughs> I'm like a bro- broken record now. But, um, but you, you know, there's a sort of the cliche that a lot of the time, you know, boxing puts an awful lot of people straight and it saves them from other things that might have happened in their lives. But it might be fairly true in your case, isn't it? It is true in my case and it's also true in a lot of other people's cases as well. Um, and it might not just be that boxing is saving people's lives. It's it's the clubs that are saving people's lives. The the coaches, um, when people step through the doors, they're meeting meeting coaches, meeting other other uh, boxers in the boxing club, and they become family. And the coach then starts to understand that boxer, and they start to learn about that boxer, and they start to find out what what's going on outside of the club, 
And I suppose then the discipline with the boxing, the coach comes down hard and is like, you know, we're not going to have that in this club. Like, you know, and if you want a bit of discipline in your life, then you got to knock something on the head. Like it's either boxing or you go out and you don't do that stuff kind of in here, in, in these doors. You needed the discipline, didn't you? Absolutely, 100% I needed it, yeah. Right, for those who haven't read the book yet, give them a flavour of the reasons why you needed that discipline. Um, Like, there's a lot of teenagers out there who, who would be going down the wrong pathway. Um, I was really not not the your um, best example of a, of a young teenager growing up and I was getting into trouble with the guards and just doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing, you know, and... Um, you were you were drinking, taking drugs, shoplifting. Do you? I mean, it's all there in print, and yeah. I'm sure Roddy yeah. did an incredible job of drawing it out of you. But do you feel? How do you feel about even talking about that now? Um, the honest answer is when, like, it's a part of my life, and I'm, you know, it made me who I am. Uh, sometimes I can be a little, it can be a little bit shameful, but then other times I think, you know what? No, it's a part of my makeup. It's this is who I am and this is what I done and this is what like it was a part of my life it's not who I am now but it was a part of who I am when I was that age and you know I'm I'm stronger from all the stuff that I have been through and I'm now grateful for all the people who have helped me to come out the right side of that you, you know, could there's have not a lot it. of people who do manage to come out the right side of it. Yeah, you could have ducked it in the telling of your story. You I mean, if you hadn't come out and put all this in, I'm sure people wouldn't have said anything any different to you. So why did you decide to be so frank and honest? Was it Roddy dragged it out of you? Or? No, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, like uh, Roddy, no, Roddy doesn't, like he wouldn't be, it's not like that. Like when you sit down with Roddy, he's not asking you a whole lot of questions. Like you're just talking and Roddy's getting it all down like and half the time I'd be wondering how the hell is he putting this like together you know like it's fantastic like and um, Were you aware of Roddy before he was given the job as your ghostwriter? I mean were you familiar with the commitments I was and all the, those Oh yeah 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 absolutely I, like I was the one who was Wanted chasing him. Roddy like <laughs> I was the one yeah like so I, I like I asked Roddy like um, could I meet with him and then we had a chat because I know Roddy was, he had said he was busy. Well, his his agent had said he was busy and I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to try because if I was doing it, it was only going to be with Roddy. It wasn't going to be with anybody else. And and that's that's what it was. Like, why, I, why, why Roddy? Why did you pick him? Because I just, I just think he could get my story out there the way I want to get it out there. And hearing, back, hearing from feedback from people, it sounds like me, well, not sounds like me. <laughs> How can the book sound like when they're reading it? They hear me reading it, you know. Yeah. So he got your voice. He got my voice. He got my. He got me. Do you know he just like he did with Roy Keane? Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roddy Doyle, welcome to the program. Welcome back again. Thanks. So this means I mean I know you're a big football fan, which is why you did Roy Keane, even though you're a Chelsea fan. But uh, are you a boxing fan as well? No. Not really, no. No, well, I don't even have to put not really. No, I'm not. Um, so what got you into this story? Well, initially curiosity because Caddy got in touch and um, which I thought was, you know, quite the right way for it to happen because it's Kelly's story and she seemed keen to meet me. So we met and I, I was again thinking, is there a story here? Because we all know the story. We all know she won 
the medal. Maybe a couple of people in the country blissfully unaware, but everybody else knew it. I was delighted about it. And so I met her. And um, very, you know, very easy to... Uh, to like Kelly, I mean, so that, but that wasn't really the point. But it was the way she expressed herself, the way she communicated was brilliant. And I asked her a question. I asked her, um, Kelly might remember. I asked her how did she feel after she won the medal, and her, you know, the the kind of glee that's often on her face fell away, and she became quite serious about it. And I thought, and she started talking about, you know, how in a way devastated she felt almost immediately after winning the medal. And I thought um, it felt a little bit familiar because I didn't feel unlike that myself soon after winning the Booker Prize because you're, you're dragged around and you become public property and all you want to do is get to the people who matter, you know, the people you love and there, there are barriers in your way. And uh, I'm not equating winning a medal to winning the Booker Prize, but it's not slightly... A, it's, it's so a it's similar all, thing, yeah. And I thought, well, in a, I thought, well, there's part of the story that Kelly doesn't behave or think in the way that people might anticipate that she's overjoyed, that she's over the moon, all the ready cliches that we can use that actually uh, she felt dreadful. And uh, then I also was very aware, for example, of the, the, um, the coming home, you know, when the bus went down Portland Row. And that was so brilliant because nothing else like that had happened in quite a while in Dublin and we were all locked away and... I just saw it on the telly. I wasn't there myself, but I just thought, well, there's another ending. So I just thought, well, the story is coming, coming together in front of me here. And uh, Kelly is a great way of expressing herself and a great use of slang, you know, and street language and very funny and deliberately so. And I just thought, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a book here, you know. So um, I gave it some thought, thought to the people who mattered and parked a novel I was working on and devoted the six months, myself and Kelly, to writing the book. And did you find out things about Kelly that you didn't expect? Well, I found out, well, you see, I didn't know her, so I found out a lot of things that I didn't know. And I found out a lot of things that because I didn't know anything about boxing and I threw that responsibility on Kelly. I said I wasn't going to read, you know, uh, a dictionary about boxing and pretend... I had any sort of expertise. So I was asking Kelly about, you know, fights. And then, and I think what intrigued me most was the whole idea of weight, you know, and having to reach a weight and being, you know, having the weigh-ins before. I thought maybe there was a weigh-in be- at the beginning of every tournament, but there's a weigh-in before every fight. And I just, got, you know, the um, the intensity of that and the pressure of that. And the awareness of your, your your physical body to the degree that Kelly knew exactly what weight she was when she woke up the morning of a fight. I I don't know what weight I am. I haven't had. I haven't <laughs> yeah, but more, you're not fighting, right? Yeah, there is that. There is that. But more fear than anything else. I haven't been on a weighing scale since <laughs> the last time I was on a weighing scale. So it could give you a vague idea of what what weight I am. But I don't know because it doesn't matter. Whereas a Kelly. She's the only woman I know who I can say what weight are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get and actually you'll get an interesting answer. Why, when did you last weigh yourself? Um, I haven't weighed myself since Sunday week. That's, is that a long time, is it? Well, actually, I, I'm telling the lie, I weighed myself the other night, but <laughs> properly weighed myself. A sneaky myself, way, like, sneaky yeah, way. Sneaky way, like, you know, that was in the night time, so it's not a real weight. Yeah. <laughs> we don't call that a real weigh-in. We call but that actually, you also write in the book, which is very interesting, which men probably simply would not think of, but even things like the menstrual cycle and how that impacts on your ability to make the weight and to be in your best condition to fight. 100% and like 
Men get really sticky on that st- <laughs> on that situation there, on, on that situ- on that uh, like on that subject. They don't want to talk about it, you know. And I just think it it needs to be highlighted. And I just wanted to talk about it in the book. And you know, it is a fact that like when you're in in sport, it does you have to factor that into into your competitions. You know, some people take the pill, so it allows them then to. And you don't because you actually feel it might impact on your ability on weight because you can sometimes, from reading from this from in the book... From taking the pill, you can you put weight on, yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So, see, you learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you can you can put weight on from taking the pill. Um, and I just, did, I just didn't want to take it too as well, you know. Sure. Um, but it does, like, it has got a lot... It, it does have a lot to play in, in sport like with the menstrual cycle of, of a female you know when we're putting weight on especially like if you get it two days or something before your competition or the day of your competition you could be crippled with cramps and stuff like that you know so it's I just wanted to yeah And how did you feel writing about or telling Roddy about your sexuality as well how was it to actually have that publicly discussed as well well, I mean, everybody knows I'm already batting for the other side, so it doesn't really like <laughs> <laughs> there is no feeling really, you know, like it's it is what it is. Like, you know, um, I'm very, very uh, comfortable in 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 me and in, in my sexuality. But you're possibly fortunate in the sense that Ireland has changed so much in that you are celebrated that maybe 20 years ago, if you'd won an Olympic medal, then you mightn't have felt comfortable in coming out and been open. Yeah, and 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 that's the truth. Like maybe that could have been the case, but I'm I'm quite blessed that that we are living in a in 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 the land of living where it's okay to be yourself, you know. Like and it's allowed me to be myself, you know. And there's plenty of other men and women out there who who are the same, and there's people out there who feel like they can't be themselves, you know. Especially not in, in different countries as well. Yeah, because I wonder, Roddy, if you've been doing this book 10 or 20 years ago, would you have been able to have written what you have written in this? That would totally depend on Kelly person, in yeah. 20, on 20 uh, years ago, yeah. Or yeah, 10 years you know, ago, whatever. What yeah. she wanted. What's in the book is what Kelly wanted. Obviously, we yeah. talked about it. And actually, I remember saying to Kelly very early on, do you know what? It, it's the least interesting thing about you in terms of mm. the yeah. story. Because, you know, Ireland is a different place. But if Kelly wanted to... 20 years ago, make that a big part of the story. It would have been a big part of the story. And I think a big part of the story is her, you know, uh, her position as a woman in sport, which is why I asked about her menstrual cycle and other aspects of the sport, of her, of her life, that would, might be seen as a, a bit of a barrier to sport. Because, um, And again, I found it really interesting, you know. So there was a... It, it worked in both ways, in, in many ways that... Something that might seem an awkward question, although I didn't find it in the least bit awkward, turns out to be to make interesting reading, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, It does. Well, can I ask you to finish up? You've worked with Kelly. You mm-hmm. also worked with Roy Keane. Yeah. What sort of similarities did you find between two of our greatest ever sports people? First, they're great company. Terrific people to work with. Both very single-minded. Both really threw their weight into the project, really got it. I think if I was to say that I did anything wise, I got a chapter, an early chapter to Roy and I got an early chapter to 
Kelly to give them a sense of what it was up to. And I think they got it. They got it really quickly. And um, they they really wanted the book to be as good as it could be. But they, I, I think to me the important thing now that the book has done that they both were just brilliant people to work with. Really, really pleasant, good company, you know. Kelly, does Roy Keane comparison mean anything to you? Because given that you seem to have a dislike for football because it was all your brothers and your dad were interested in. No, but I know I know who Roy Keane is and I... I Great Corkman, yeah. I, yeah. Well, there is that, but you can't be perfect. <laughs> but I love, I love that he stands up for himself and I love his honesty and I actually just love everything about Roy Keane. So... The, to, to hear that from Roddy, I'm like leaving here a little bit taller now. So, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. Listen, it's great stuff. Kelly Harrington and Roddy Doyle. The book is called Kelly. Thank you both very much for Thanks being for with us here us. today. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today,